I'm bald because every time I fucked your mom, she pulled my hair. <laughs> so I just thought that'd be a nice way to start. I thought you'd appreciate a good mom comeback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me that again. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. Hello again, and we welcome you to this 504th episode of Unscripted, one that we like to commonly call Freeform Friday. Great way to end the week of another good week of shows here on Unscripted. Chris goes on to our Twitter account, finding what people are talking about. If there's something there that kind of tweaks Chris's interest, he brings it up, we talk about it, and then we move on to the next topic. Again, it's been a great way, a really fun way to end another good week of shows. And having said that, if he's ready to start finding something to talk about, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, my friend, Chris Fluke. Thanks, Mike. All right. Good to be doing this again. And by the way, we got a message from Jeff Rowling in Edmonton uh, about the idea of changing the name of Freeform Friday. And <laughs> he came up with Mike's Mixin. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That's not bad. Mike's Mixin. I don't know why that makes me laugh. I like Mike's that. Mixin. Mike's uh, Mixin. A, okay. Yeah, no G on the end. Apostrophe. Mike's M- Mixin. Yeah. M-I-X-I-N yeah. apostrophe. S-E-C. Mike's yeah. Mixin. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Mike's Mixin. Thanks, okay. Jeff. Anyway. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, Michael Kissed at Michael Kissed NFL. Uh, someone made fun of him for being bald, and he said, I'm bald because every time I fucked your mom, she pulled my hair. <laughs> So I just thought that'd be a nice way to start. I thought you'd appreciate a good mom comeback. <laughs> All right, give me that again. I'm just laughing at the. All right. So what? what this guy is from where? Uh, he's it's Michael Kissed NFL. So he's something to do with the NFL. Oh, okay. And someone right. said, "LOL, baldy." <laughs> I'm bald because every time I fucked your mom, she pulled my hair. So if you're ever losing your hair, there you go. Well, you know, no, I'm not losing my hair. You know, it's funny. I I saw. When you go through what I'm going through right now in regard to, we've decided, it was decided that we would cremate my father, and I won't deal, I won't bother you with all the details, but I have run into cousins that I haven't talked to in 35, 40 years on my father's side, and um, it's been unbelievable, but I have a cousin by the name of Dan Refke, and I love the hell of this guy. He's a really good, really good man. He's done a great job with his family. Congratulations. I wish we wouldn't have, I wish it wouldn't have had to been under these kind of circumstances to reconnect after all these years, but it's funny. Danny is a couple years older than I am, and he's still got jet black hair, which is cool. I certainly do not have jet black, but I tell you, I sent him a note the other day. I said, you know, because there was a picture of him that, he has his jet black hair, but he's got a huge bald spot, just big bald spot in him. It's like in that one spot, it's totally just the white of the white of the you know the 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 the, the crown or the skull of his head. And I sent him a note, and uh, I said, you know, Danny, hair looks great, man. You got that jet black dark hair. I don't think you color. It looks great, but what happened to the sky dome on top of your head? And of course, I got a message back telling me to do something that's just anatomically impossible to do. And uh, you know what that is, so we'll move on. But uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to still need to... I am die. You know, this is the funny thing. I got I to gotta tell you this real quick. I am missing my hairstylist, Linda. I'm just missing her dearly because my hair is just going... I go see, I go see Linda 
at least once a month, A, to check in with her, but she makes me look better than I really do. And I miss, because Linda hasn't been able to take patients through this COVID-19 thing, but uh, I truly am really missing my hairdresser, Linda. I hope to see you sometime in the next couple of weeks because I need to see you, Linda. All right. So Does that make me sound really, yeah, no, no, shallow? It's good. And, no, 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 it's good. I'm happy at 55. I need to go see a hairdresser. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. So Darren Ravel at Darren Ravel. Uh, just another example of the Simpsons predicting the future. There's been a number of examples, yeah. including the Trump thing where, I mean, it it's so close. It ha- Have you ever seen where he comes down the escalator, you know, when he's announcing the presidency? And there's a scene from the Simpsons. It's identical. Even There's even somebody in the background who kind of drops a sign at the same time. It's really it's like they must have planned it. There's no yeah. way. Right. It's and, and, and but even just the the escalator looks identical. Like, it's so strange. But anyway, here's another example. And this is an episode from May 6, 1993. Uh, a Simpsons episode plot has the town of Springfield getting sick with a flu that originates in Asia when the town begs for a vaccine, killer bees show up. So just like COVID-19 and now the murder hornets. It's, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Matt Groening and his guys have done an unbelievable job. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's animation and all this other stuff, but there has never been. Another television series that's lasted 31 years. It's unfathomable to me. How is Bart Simpson still in the fourth grade after 31 years? <laughs> Mrs. Krabappel's going to kick his ass to the curb one of these days. Um, well, she's dead now. Oh, she's dead. Or so the actress who played her oh, is, yeah, is yeah, dead. Yeah. 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 So, they- um, so they probably had to write her out. But um, unbelievable writers, unbelievable storylines. And you're right, the, the, the foreshadowing of what they were talking about in a lot of instances, 10, 12, 15 years previous to it happening is amazing. And that, again, is attributable to the great writers on the staff of the Simpsons. Make all the jokes you want about it. And, you know, yes, it's on Fox and yada, yada. But my God, anything that lasts 31 years, that's amazing. Yep. Okay, Melanie Newman at Melanie Lynn N. If you could resurrect one torn down stadium, what would it be? Great question. If I could resurre- resurrect one torn down stadium, um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to, you know, let's see. Um, I am going to go with the old kingdom in Seattle. Um, really? Why? It's a shithole, but you know what? There's a lot of history there. The first home of the Seattle Seahawks, the first home of the Seattle Mariners, um, there were a lot of big events in that stadium, and um, just for the just think of the players that have played in that stadium, led by guys like Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, obviously Jennifer Lopez's uh, boyfriend, and uh, and the football. Just think about the football players that have played in that building, and I and I remember things like when Bo Jackson ran over Brian Bosworth in that Monday night game years ago. Um, and you know, Al, uh, Al Michaels was calling the game obviously, but, uh, Bo Jackson runs through the tunnel and they, and Al Michaels sends and, and, uh, Bo Jackson's running to, to Tacoma. I mean, there have been a lot of, uh, influential players, a lot of influential teams and a lot of really m- momentous and memorable games. My lips are leaving me, but some really memorable games have been played in that stadium. And, um, you know, a lot of stadiums these days, you know, get torn down and, and built on top of. And, and I think of like the Metrodome in Minneapolis, but I hated that shithole. 
And uh, you think about the old sombrero in Tampa, but obviously Raymond James is a lot better than the old sombrero in Tampa. So I know, I, again, I don't know for my reason of picking the, king, picking the kingdom, but I think it's because of the players that played there, the iconic players that played there, and some of the iconic games that were played inside that facility. Yeah, that, that wow, that's not what I thought you were going to say, Seattle. That's a pretty interesting one for sure. Okay, uh, so cut four at cut four said, the sweetest swing in MLB history belongs to, and Field Yates at Field Yates agrees with me. He says the only correct answer is Ken Griffey Jr. What do you think? Ken Griffey Jr. would be one, but 1A would be a guy that played for years with the San Francisco Giants and then the St. Louis Cardinals at later stages of his career. And you probably maybe didn't hear about this guy, but unfortunately I've met this guy and he will make our douchebag list someday, but he had an unbelievable seat swing. And he played with your buddy, Rafael Palmero, down <laughs> at Mississippi State, and I'm talking about Will Thrill Clark. Will Clark had an unbelievable swing when he was first coming up with the San Francisco Giants years ago, number 22, first baseman. Ken Griffey Jr. has the sweetest swing that I've ever seen. And it's just, it's just pure magic, pure butter. Will Clark was pretty damn close. And if you go back to olden times, people that, you know, those people aren't around anymore as much, but people used to tell me that uh, Ted Williams had an unbelievable swing. Oh, well, that would make sense. You know, the, and, you know, uh, unbelievable swing during his heyday as a member of the Boston Red Sox. But uh, th from physical swings that I have seen, Ken Griffey Jr. won, Will Clark, then of the San Francisco Giants, number two. Okay. Uh, Bleacher Report at Bleacher Report says in 1986, Larry Bird decided to play left-handed against the Blazers and save his right hand for the Lakers two nights later. He finished with a triple-double, 47 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 of 21 field goals made lefty. That was a bad man. You know what? I uh, <clears throat> And this is what incites me about idiots like Dion Waiters and uh, other people that aren't in the know. Larry Bird, folks, was a trailblazer. Not a Portland trailblazer, but a basketball trailblazer. Larry Bird did things that shocked the shit. Let me tell you, shocked the shit out of the black guys. He really did. Mm -hmm. He did things that the black guys sit there and they go, come on, man. Now, he didn't jump real well. He wasn't real fast. But the way that Larry Bird could handle a basketball was just unbelievable. And as Chris just documented to you, he was ambidextrous out there. And I can't imagine the numbers that Larry Bird would have put up if the last five years of his career, he was playing on a just a terribly injured back. Larry Bird had trouble going back to back. Um, and there were times when Larry Bird, the last five years of his career, was gutting it out. And then when they would take him out of the game, he had to go lay on the sideline with heat packs on his back, just so when Casey Jones called him to get back in the game, he could literally get back in the game. I truly believe, and as much as I don't like the Celtics, um, I truly believe that the Celtics in their heyday, meaning Larry Bird's heyday, would have won probably a few more titles if Larry Bird would have been 100% healthy. But think about it. A lot of people will argue with me and anybody out there that the greatest collection, the greatest team ever in NBA history is the 86 Celtics. Well, possibly. I don't agree with that because I hate the Celtics. But think about it this way. In all reality, all bullshit aside, if Mikhail Parrish and, and Bird were all healthy, 
They were never healthy after the three of them together were never healthy after the 86 season, which they won the title in 86, beating the Houston Rockets. But if those three had been able to have healthy careers, you know, going past 86, I think they would have won a couple of titles. But when they were playing the bad boys of Detroit in the late 80s, those Celtics teams were never healthy. And that's why they got beaten up by those Piston teams because the Pistons were young, they were hungry, they were healthy, and they were also animals out there. Mm-hmm. And they, they, the, the Celtics couldn't match the physicality that the uh, Detroit Pistons at the time brought to the game. So um, Larry Bird, for Dion Waiters and the rest of these idiots that don't know the difference between a basketball and a, and a hoop, um, maybe not in your top five of all time. I get that. But if there is a top 10, your top 10 better include one Larry Joe Bird. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Top 10, absolutely. Okay, two tweets left here. Bleacher Report also had one about... So Ron Artest, who changed his name to Meta World Peace in 2011, one of the dumbest names ever, said he's now going by... He's changed his name again? Yes. Oh, because he's... Well, he's getting married. Now, I know normally that doesn't mean the man changes his name. However, it's Ron maybe Artest. He, maybe so. he's marrying a man. No, uh, he's marrying a woman named Maya Ford, who looks oh, nice. That's good. Um, so... Now, that's not even the worst part about it. But so he's now going to go by <laughs> Meta Ford Artest. So he's combining all three. He's combining, he's keeping his new fake first name Meta. Right. Which also makes no sense. Then he's making, then he's getting rid of the world peace, going back to his original name of Artest, but then hyphenating it with her last name of Ford. So, well, not only is it strange that a guy would hyphenate his name with his wife's last name, but the thing that annoys me as a stickler for logic right. is it's not Meta Artest Ford. Like, if you hyphenate your name... Shouldn't you, it be Meta Art... Yes, Meta Artest Ford. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's my problem. You take your name and then you hyphenate the new one on the end of it. Right. She right. is somehow making her name first. I, I, I bet it's some sort of thing. Like, hey, baby, you're first. Uh, you're so special. Uh, so it's Meta Ford Artest. So there's like, I don't know, eight things there that don't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. But it's Ron Artest. So what do you expect? Well, you, you, don't, you don't expect much. Um, At least he's not world peace anymore. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But uh, I, I just wonder what, what goes through his mind sometimes as to why he keeps continually feeling that he needs to change his name. His basketball career is over. I don't know what he's doing now. Congratulations on his impending nuptials. But this is just weird. So I guess we're back to square one with the formerly basketball player known as Ron Artest. Yeah, that's, that's all I know. Yeah, I, what a guy. You know, it's funny. I, I do have to mention this. Um, <clears throat> recently, I saw a replay of the 2010 NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Lakers. And I didn't really realize... Now, it's been 10 years, but I didn't really realize what a big role. And I'm not going to bother with that meta piece bullshit. I I didn't remember what a huge role Ron Artest had with that team. He played an integral role with that team. There was Kobe on that team. There was Paul Gasol on that team. There was the the, uh, never-ending cocaine machine, Lamar Odom on that team. Uh, But Ron Artest had a very prominent role on that team, and he played... He was an in- integral part 
of the uh, 2010 NBA championship for the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, the last one, the Lakers won. Yeah. Then 10 true. years for the Lakers. Holy yep. crap. Yep. Okay. Last tweet of the day, NFL memes at NFL underscore memes. They said, this is still in stain. So I have not checked if this is all accurate, but this is a pretty crazy sports coincidence if this is all true. So they're saying they're comparing the injuries to Joe Theismann and Alex Smith, okay. where they both hurt their legs, right? Right. Both of them were broken right tibia and fibula, even, even the same leg and everything. Yep. Theismann happened November 18th, 1985. Alex yep. Smith, also November 18th, but 2018. That's just the beginning. So they both oh happened my. November 18th, and both as quarterback for the Washington yep. Redskins with the game in Washington, D.C. Against the New York Giants? No, the team was not the same. That would have been that would have been just. Oh freaky. no, but there's crazier ones than oh, that. Oh, go, yeah. They both happened at the 39 yard line. Oh my god. Both games ended with a final score of 23-21. Theismann's was caused by three-time Defensive Player of the Year Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Alex Smith was caused by three-time Defensive Player of the Year J.J. Watt, and the left tackle guarding them. For Theismann, it was Pro Bowl left tackle. Joe Jacoby, supposed to be there, but he was off the field due to an injury. Yeah. And for Alex Smith, Pro Bowl left tackle. Trent Williams was supposed to be there, but he was off field due to injury. Unbelievable parallels there. Yeah, you couldn't have drawn that up uh, any better than that. As I mentioned on previous editions, um, I uh, Joe Theismann was a frequent contributor to my program back in the day. I just do need to say this about Alex Smith. Um, I saw some uh, highlights of him getting back out and starting to work out again with the with the goal, obviously, being to get back into the NFL at some point in time. I don't know if people realize how close he was to potentially losing that leg. And even the infection was so bad that I've heard that he could have died. Yes, he could have, yeah. And to make it back to the point where he can even walk on that leg now is unbelievable and if he doesn't make it back to the nfl i still think he's had a celebrated career first overall pick in the 2005 draft unfortunately um injuries played a huge role uh he got injured allowing Cal colin kaepernick to get into the game um goes to kansas city um really ironic that he goes like joe montana goes from san francisco to kansas city then Kansas City, he kind of gets pushed out. And he had a couple good years with Andy Reid, but then he gets pushed out. And rightfully so. You can't keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. I get that. But then all of a sudden he goes to Washington, has a good season. Then the next year he has this horrific injury. I don't know if we'll see Alex Smith again, but I'd like to see somebody give him a shot. I'd like to see if somebody... I think it, he comes back in a backup role. I don't think he comes back as, as somebody's number one starter. But I think I'd like to see somebody give him a shot. Um, I'm always hoping, always hoping. And I know we've got Jordan Love now, but I'm always hoping that the Packers invest in a legitimate backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously, that's not in the cards because the Packers have, uh, have selected their backup quarterback for maybe the next 10 years. Um, but I hope that Alex Smith catches on somewhere. He is a guy that shows unbelievable perseverance, unbelievable amount of tenacity to even want to come back from something like that. I mean, you know, Theismann never came back. Theismann went from 
trying to rehab that leg to the point where he could get it, where he could walk again. And he went into the NFL booth and started being an announcer. Alex Smith, I think, is a different kind of animal. I think he's got something to prove here. And I hope, I truly hope, somebody at least gives him the opportunity to make somebody's 53 or 55-man roster again as a backup quarterback. And I think, man, that would be that would be one of the great stories, injury stories in NFL history to come back from that kind of injury where he almost potentially could have died from the infection, at the very least lose the right leg. And to see him the other day on a video working out with his kids and running different things that quarterbacks do, you know, little little sprint outs and little rollouts and still's got a still got a really strong arm. So I hope somebody gives him that opportunity again to make an NFL roster. We've got a run on this 504th episode of Unscripted. A lot of good things this week. Um, obviously highlighted by episode number 502 with our look at dead douchebags. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Again, thanks to everybody. I, I did want to say again, thanks to Ryan and Deshaun and Deshaun for helping us through our 500th episode. It was really a good episode. A lot of good insight, a lot of good BS, uh, and a lot of good, just really good people. And I thank you for that. I'm looking forward to what happens with uh, the next 499 episodes moving forward. But uh, thanks to everybody. And uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 500 as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.